podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket from the Aegeus Bowl. And well, it's hard working out what day we are in this match. It's actually the end of the fifth day, but we've still got one day to go, thank God, because the match is intriguingly poised. I mean, what a shame, in a way, that we haven't got two more days to go and that we've lost so much time because 64 for two, the Indians in their second innings, so a lead of just over 30 and uh, only 98 overs left in the match. How are we going to get a result? Well, there are, there are very many ways of getting a result. One of them could be a draw. That's a result. And that seems the most likely, doesn't it, after... That, I don't call that a result, Friday. really. Okay. Yeah, I well, mean, it, 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 it is a result, sure, but it's not the result we want or no. either team wants, really. Well, it, it, it might be the result that India want from here because I think New Zealand are in the, in the, the, the potential match-winning position of the two teams. But you could still see a situation, a scenario where India put some pressure on New Zealand in the fourth innings and could go on to win the game. It would need something, you think, fairly dramatic, sensational, exciting for India to win the game. Not, not absolutely impossible. You can see a Rishabh scenario... Rishabh Pant. Well, Rishabh Pant comes out, Kohli comes out, you know, scores runs, but they have to lose wickets as well. They probably have to be bowled out. And then New Zealand have set a target and they fall on their sword. You know, they don't, they don't get it or, new, or there's some inspirational bowling from India and New Zealand are rolled over. The other side of it, of course, is that India don't quite get enough runs and, and New Zealand knock them off in the fourth inning. So uh, you're, you're absolutely right, isn't it? I mean, it th- this would be a ap- really fascinating game with two days left and we, you know, we've lost so much time. But we are going to go into a sixth day for the first time in a test match in England since... 1927? No, 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 a bit later than that. 1975, apparently. We, we, we dug it up today. Well, was that a... wasn't the one that was dug up, the pitch that was dug up no, by no, no. the protesters. No, no, no. That, no, that's right. No, that was the Headingley Test match of that series. It was, it was the Oval Test match. Andy Zaltzman, our, our stats guru on Test Match Special, he, he, he said that... Dug that up. Yeah, the, the Oval Test match in, that, in the four-match series that England played against Australia went into a, a sixth day. So it started on the Thursday. There was a rest day. And it ended on the Wednesday, so actually so entire week <laughs> lasted for an entire week. God. You know, and there, you, you do have that feeling. If we had, you know, a week for this game, if it's seven days, we would get a, a, a result in the game. The forecast of tomorrow is good, and that's the other thing as well. We've lost ten overs today mm. from, from you know from slow over rate. Play starts an hour late, but we were still ten overs down. So that you know, that's gone from the game as well. Tomorrow, you know, if the weather, if the light holds, and there's a suggestion it, it will hold then you have 98 overs in the day. So that's a, that's, a, that's a heck of a lot of cricket still to play, isn't it? And I wonder what will, what will be fascinating is whether you know, New Zealand, you remember England turned down that run chase at Lords, whether New Zealand might, you know, might have to gamble uh, sometime tomorrow. There's you, going to be no gambling in this game. <laughs> there's too much at stake. I, I really don't think there's going to be any gambling. Of course, it's been a, a seamer-dominated match and we have a famous seamer talking about the art of fast bowling, Later in this show, Ian Bishop, who's here as a commentator for the ICC TV coverage, so you'll probably have heard him on the Sky TV coverage if you're, if you're listening to that or watching that. 
Uh, he's uh, going to chat to us a little bit later about the art of fast bowling. And actually, I particularly wanted to talk to him because as a tall fast bowler who has to pitch the ball up more in English conditions, how he handled that demand in his own career. But before we get to that, um, I guess, you know, just looking at the calculations. So India with a lead of about 30, Mm. if they get a lead of 200, so they score about 240, lead of 200, leaving 50 overs in the match for New Zealand to chase. So they bat for 40 overs to get the lead of 240 or 45 overs Mm. to get the lead of 240. Then New Zealand have uh, 50 overs to chase 200, something like that. If each team bats around about the same number of overs on the final day, yeah. then that is the chance of getting a result. Yeah, well, I think India would have to be bowled out though, because I mean, are they going to leave anything? They're no, not, well, they're are not, they? No. You know, they're going to have to be bowled out, and it, who knows? It could, it could happen. Uh, two wickets uh, went down the seam. It's interesting that Kohli came in. Yeah, no night watchman. No, no night watchman. Yeah. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, I haven't looked back to see whether Kohli was in that situation before and, and always goes out, whether he actually called on a night watchman or not. But he came out with quarter of an hour left and also he was, he was quite positive as well, wasn't he, in, the, in those 15 minutes. I don't mean you know he was trying to whack the cover off it, but he's, his body language was really positive. So, you know, you've got... The, he doesn't he, know any other way, well, though, really, does he? Well, and the first thing is that he was quite restrained, wasn't he? I mean, you know, he made yeah, 44 true, in a true. long time and he really mm. reined himself in. But I thought he came out and it, it, it was almost, I suppose, a way of getting to the close. By, rather than just going into your shell and defending, mm. he, he was nice and positive, played a few shots. OK, he hasn't scored many runs, but his, his whole body language uh, suggested that you know, that's the way he wants to go about it. And perhaps, you know, perhaps tomorrow, I don't know, perhaps he will. They will go out there and be challenging. There is, there is the Pant joker in the pack, isn't there? That, you know, someone like Richard Pant, if he did get in, you know, could score very quickly and, and suddenly give India mm. you know, runs to defend. But it, it's, it's that calculation here. You know, if they were to declare, you know, what would it be? Would, you know, would they really take a risk? I, you know, I mean, you know, at Lords, New Zealand felt they had enough runs, didn't they? You know, when they set England two seventy or seventy five overs, I think they they were pretty confident they had enough runs. So, uh, on this pitch, on this surface, sixth day pitch, sort of, with two spinners as well and those three quality pace bowlers, and we saw how difficult it was for New Zealand today. Perhaps they feel you know they will get in a position where they feel they've got enough runs. Right, we're going to see if we can win the game. You know, it has felt because of the weather for for the most part the draw seemed like the the favourite, but we've, we've still got a lot of cricket left. Um, but it's a good game as well. It has been a good game, good, you know, slow game, but a really tight game. And mm. no one's but no one's budged, have they? No one's mm. given an inch. Only one fifty in yeah. the match so far. Yeah. Devon Conway and uh, seam bowlers, as I said at the start, were fairly dominant. I was pleased for Mohammed Shami today because he always seems to be the bowler that is regarded as unlucky. He comes charging in, you know, cheeks quivering, you know, arms pumping, throwing it down at 87, 88 miles an hour, whistles the, the ball past the edge, doesn't seem to get the wickets. In fact, in England, he averages 47 with the ball before today. And it felt like it was going to happen again. He, he bowled a couple of snorting deliveries the night before, got the shoulder of the bat, the ball had ballooned over the slips. He whistled it past the edge a few times, wasn't going to get the wickets. Today, actually, he bowled just a touch fuller. He went for that slightly sort of half a metre fuller length and got his rewards. He got slightly lucky in a way with the wicket of Ross Taylor because it was on a length uh, but it, and, it, and Taylor tried to drive it. It wasn't quite full enough for the shot and he spooned it to mid-off. Very good catch by Shubman Gill. Then he went wide of the crease and pinned 
Then he cleaned up uh, BJ Watley with an excellent delivery, which he, the, the wicketkeeper batsman was just a bit late on, really. And then there was a lovely bit of cricket when he went wide of the crease and speared one into Colin de Grandhomme's pads and got him LBW just when there looked like there was a bit of a resurgence. And finally, he got a fourth wicket as well. So, you know, he, he bounced out um, Carl Jameson. Carl Jameson. Yeah. So, you know, he changed his approach. And as we've often said, it's not that easy, even for the international class bowlers, to, to bowl a different length. But he did. He bowled that English length. And he got four for four for 50 and probably deserved five for. And changed the game. Got to the New Zealanders under big pressure, 160 for six. Then they managed to sort of get a, a lead through some enterprising cricket by Jameson and Tim Southey with a dogged Kane Williamson at the other end. Yeah, Williamson out for... For forty nine, I thought. I mean, New Zealand sort of played it quite well after lunch, didn't they? I mean, they were really strong. It was bo- boa constrictor cricket in that morning session. We didn't have much cricket. You used t- that phrase before. Well, you? but it was like that, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like squeezing really. So arm hard. wrestle one day, well, boa arm- constrictor. Now I love it. All these metaphors, yeah. very good. Um, so uh, twenty three overs, you had thirty four runs, thirty four for three in that morning session with India. Fighting hard, fighting back. A couple of quick wickets before lunch, and then the, then the counter punching after lunch involving Jameson and, and South. Jameson, you say bounced out by uh, Shami. I mean, it, it was all about Jameson taking it on, wasn't he? He 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 was going to be aggressive. That was the way he was going to play. I'm looking forward to watching him as as his career mm, yeah. progresses because he's going to do some damage with the bat as well as the ball uh, during his career. He's all, already done plenty of damage uh, with the ball, and then Southie, you know, who's hit. I think he's now hit 76 sixes. In... He's the third highest yeah. six hitter in the New Zealand side, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? In all, in all time. He's got a very high proportion of his runs in sixes in Test Match Crees. It's 76 sixes. And yeah, he, he gave New Zealand that lead. In a way, Shami was India's player of the day and Southie was very definitely New Zealand's player of the day today. Came out, made 30, doesn't sound a lot, but in a low-scoring game, it gave him that advantage. And then picked up a couple of wickets before the close. Shumman Gill... Technique, not it just needs to be a bit tighter. Listen, probably. You, I think I, I'm going to have to say you give the bowler a bit of credit because Southie is a, a, quite an old-fashioned bowler in a way. He bowls a few outswingers and then holds the ball slightly differently, and one just goes straight. And he moves batsmen around the crease quite subtly, and he did that twice. He did it to uh, Shubman Gill, who got slightly over too far and then didn't recognise the ball which doesn't swing, and got pinned LBW. And actually, he then bowled a little in-swinger to Rohit Sharma, having bowled a succession of lovely out-swingers, and again, moving the batsman across the crease, then just speared in an in-swinger. No discernible change of action. I've had a look at it in, in slow-mo. Mm-hmm. Just the switch of the shine from one side to the other, which is quite hard to pick up from 22 yards away. And it just angled in enough, and Rohit Sharma left it, and got pinned LBW. So I think the bowler earned those, those two wickets. How many batters? It's a really interesting point about. It. I, I hear TV commentators talk about it, and ex-players, you know, so they must have done it themselves. You know, watching the ball in the hand or trying to watch the ball in the hand because it's not always there, is it? It's not always uh, presented for a for a batter to see. I mean, it all strikes me. I know, I know, uh, batters have got really good eyesight because t- actually to be a good batter, most of the time you ha- you have to have quite yeah, good and eyesight. Yeah, sometimes I've, I'm, some batsmen have said to me, people like Desmond Haynes yeah. said to me, oh, I could read the writing yeah. on the side of the ball. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's bullshit, I think. But maybe, yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, so this is what I was going to ask, actually, is how, how easy or otherwise is it to, you know, 
also to see it and then to make that calculation. Why are you it, asking me? Well, I know. I suppose. Well, you've written a book about batting. I, mean, I have. You must have. No, t- you I, must have talked to listen, lots I, of batters. I have. I mean, R- Ricky Ponting said that he watched. You know, different batsmen have different methods, and some like to watch the bowler from sort of halfway through the run. I remember mm. Andrew Strauss saying that actually, uh, not right through the run. But Ricky Ponting said he watches the bowler put the ball in his hand and watches the ball all the way through. Kevin Peterson was one who said he could pick up, you know, the shiny side and the rough side mm. very clearly. I think other it, it probably when it's a little bit dark and the, this is a dark batch of balls they're using, it's not as easy. Mm. Um I, d- I was trying to see whether South he hides the ball in his run up but he doesn't actually. You know, it, it is in his gather before he lets go of it, you do get a good sight of the ball, but it's still not that easy to, to tell. And what he's quite clever at, and particularly with the Rohit Sharma dismissal, there was no change of action at all. Whereas mm. with the Shubman Gill one, he actually had the seam at a slightly different angle in his fingers and it comes down scrambled. Mm. So the seam is sort of wobbling as it comes down. But with the uh, Rohit Sharma wicket, it came down seam up uh, and it looked as if it was an outswinger mm. and, and it just swung the other way. Mm. So that was good, good, dece- good deception. How nice a feeling is that for a for a bowler oh, when you wonderful. deceive a batsman like that? Because those who don't know who weren't so watching, ago, Ro- I can't remember. Rohit, <laughs> Rohit Sharma padded up, and you know, Southie was off celebrating before the finger went up from from umpire golf, as indeed he was with the the, the first one as well. He's a bit like a bit of the Stuart Broads actually. He was absolutely certain that both were going to be given out, and they were, and they were both out. Although Rohit Sharma was umpire's call, but there's sort of less there's less freedom for a batsman when they padded up, isn't it? It seems you know the umpires are. Sort of happy to yeah get, get that finger up and it was, it was well and also they can't be saved by being hit outside the well, line. Well, they can't, but he still got, got hit the stumps though. Yeah, and, hit, true. And, and this one was shaving off stump. It was only you know mm. it was only hitting the outside of off stump. I was on the toughers and he said, "Are you, are you sure that's hitting the stumps?" And Rohit didn't review it, and mm. of course if he had reviewed it, Indy would have kept their review anyway. It was the, the I think the correct decision definitely was made. It was it was hitting the stumps, albeit it was umpire's call, so only you know part of the stumps being hit. Anyway, so Rohit was out. Coley comes in. We, we, we mentioned Coley's uh, positive um, body language coming in for a start, but also he was hit on the head, wasn't he? He was mm. hit on the head by Tim Southie. He went for, for four leg buys, as it's called, four head buys or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, so that, that, you know, so there was a, that sort of heightened sense of excitement in those last 15 minutes. You felt if New Zealand could get Coley out before the close of play, then they really would have been on top in this test match. But glory be, we've had some cricket today after the rain of yesterday. Um, yeah, sixth day. That's, that's a, it's a first, first for me. But and it'd be even better probably if we'd had a seventh day because we this game would play to a to a natural conclusion. Albeit it's it's felt like a sort of slow motion test match. It's taken a long a long time to get here. But you know we we all thought we'd be heading home tonight. But we we are here for a, not only just a few overs but a full day's play. Ninety eight overs. We should get them all. Um, because the, the forecast is, is good tomorrow. If, if indeed both sides want them all, we, we do have the option of uh, closing with an hour to play. But the way they bowl their overs, who knows what time that will be? I mean, it could, it could be a ve- could be a very late finish uh, tomorrow. And, and of course, the England Sri Lanka yeah. T20 game will be already underway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that one's done in Cardiff. I mean, I think they were supposed to dovetail, weren't they? So you don't have play going on at the same time in both matches, but it, it could well be. We could have, do you know, tomorrow evening... Do you think they might postpone the start of the well, England-Sri Lanka game? I don't know what the regulations are about it, you know, whether they have to delay it until this game's finished. But we, I mean, we could have a situation where tomorrow at about 10 to 8, 
there's Kyle Jameson with you know four to win off, off you know off two balls with two wickets left or something like that. Anyway, perhaps I'm just getting too excited because I I sort of think I, after being here for so long, after giving so much emotional energy to the game, so much time to it, you really feel as if you want an exciting finish on the final day. The most likely outcome is that it, it ends in a bit of a, a stalemate and the the prize money shared. But it's cricket; things can happen quickly. There's not enough there in the pitch for the for the bowlers to to exploit. Are you still confident in the result? You were very confident after the f- first no. day's action. Not, uh, it, not so it much all, now. It all depends on the first hour, doesn't mm. it? I think. Yeah. So, Ian Bishop's been here commentating for the ICC TV coverage. Lovely man, actually, Bish. I mean, he... He's, he prowls around the, the corridors of this hotel trying to sort of dip his head into different commentary boxes. He's always got something going on in his head. He always wants to, to relay some bit of information about bowling in particular. He's passionate about explaining the art of bowling. So I thought who better than to discuss the various seam bowlers in this match. There are a lot of them and they're all pretty good. So I first asked him... What was his appraisal of New Zealand's fast bowling attack? Conditions in England, and from what we've had in the first two days of this test match, are right up the street of Saudi and Bull. They're not express pace, but they present, and Saudi in particular presents one of the better seen positions around the world. Uh, it's like home for them in New Zealand. They bowl that lovely full length. Um, bowl is quick enough, although I think he's dropped some pace provides a counterpoint to Selby's outswing, he gets the inswing. So they're always at you on a foolish length, more often than not. So when the ball swings, that's why they're so good at home, uh, good numbers in England, maybe struggle a little bit on the subcontinent and Australia. Do you think Bolt has changed in, in the way that he bowls? I think he's lost some pace. Um, I was investigating it with some of the ball tracking. He's dropped from an average pace of about 136 down to 132 in the last couple of years. And that comes from white ball cricket and a lot of exposure to different formats, although New Zealand have tried to manage his exertions. Um, Simon Dool has made a good point, and I saw when Simon did it live, about his bowling arm dropping slightly to try to get other variations into play. I still think he's a good bowler. But when I first saw him, I thought, geez, this guy is sharp. Not only is he swinging the ball, but he's got a short ball that can ask you some serious questions. No, I don't see that same potency with the use of the short ball. So, And it's part, as you know, of, of getting older, of playing multiple formats, a lot of IPL cricket, test cricket, etc., now, they've had the addition in this mm. series and for the last few months of Kyle Jameson, six foot eight, so even taller than you. Mm. What's it like being a tall bowler? I mean, what are the kind? Obviously, there are advantages mm. because you get the extra bounce. What are the disadvantages from a physical point of view of being a tall bowler? Let's build off Southie and, and Bolt, first of all, in that 
they found, struck a good partnership, right? Because they've come through under 19 cricket playing together. Ever since they were teenagers, they've played together. So they have a comfort level with each other as well as a counterpoint. Now you add Jameson into that. Um, I look up to him. Not too many guys I look up to, literally. So I've got Ambrose at 6'7". Joel Garner was probably that sort of 6'8 that Jameson is. <clears throat> so as a tall bowler, I've got some advantages that maybe you didn't have in that if I'm a negative sort of personality, like I, I always tell the story about Kirtley Ambrose saying early in his career, he went up looking for Yorkers and he got a couple of drives. And I thought he bowled a Yorker relatively well, but he decided I don't like being driven, so I'm going to live short of a length. And I can still get my wickets from there with a little bit of nip either way. So it's a safety area as well as an attacking area. So I would have had that benefit little less, but in the same way. But I was more prepared to bowl fuller because I could swing it. And I think Jameson now has those two attributes. He will learn as he, he, he hasn't played in Asia, you see, and he hasn't played in Australia. So he's played in ideal conditions, but he will learn when to pull his length back and just use his bounce as we saw Cheteshwar Pujara with the short ball. And then he has the ability to go fuller and create problems. How often do we see a six foot eight guy swinging the ball in each direction? Hardly ever. That's a great skill set to have. You well, know? are you and maybe? I mean, did you bowl an in-swinger? I did not bowl an in-swinger. That's the thing. I could not bowl it. I'm like Tim Sarvi. I could not get it to go in. I asked Malcolm Marshall to teach me did one you? year really? uh, when Hampshire came to Derby. Uh, he told me to use my wrist and I could not get it. Yeah. Um, so I resorted to using <clears throat> angle. But this guy, Jameson, has developed the James Anderson type, mm. Bhuvaneshwar Kumar type in-swinger as well as the out-swinger. So he really, Simon, has so many weapons. The one thing that will test him is whether when he gets onto flatter pitches, whether he can generate another half a yard of pace. And he asked me this when I was in New Zealand. That's what I like about him. Here's a, 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 a young man, 26, young, that is young, still searching for information about how he could get better when he gets away from New Zealand. And so, like Joel, who you would have played against, the ability to add a half a step, whether it's by charging in a little bit harder, being more dynamic in the action, is something he's going to have to learn because the ball won't swing as much in certain places. How easy is it <clears throat> to pitch it up as a tall bowler? Because, you know, there are quite good examples of, especially English tall bowlers, and I'll give you three, Caddick, Stephen Finn, and to a lesser extent, Chris Tremlett. All of whom, when they pitched it up to try and get that fuller length, just floated it and got driven. And I suppose that sounds as if it might have applied to Kirtley as well. So, what you know, how do you kind of overcome that? Practice. It was a good question that came up the other day. And funnily enough, you, you talk about Tremlett because the first time I, I sort of got into that conversation post playing was with Tremlett against India at the Oval in 2007 with Mark Nicholas. The question was asked because Tremlett was living back of a length. And then suddenly he went a little bit fuller, top of off. And my own experience was this. Because I grew up in the Caribbean on hard pitches mostly, which the ball didn't swing for as long. So I'd live back of a length, hard into the pitch, and try to get a lot of success from there being six foot five and a half. And then I came to England in 1989, playing county cricket, and I had a terrible season. I was bowling the same West Indian length in England. And it took 
a message from Mikey Holding when I bowled badly in a game at Leicester. Mikey was sharing the season and I had to go to Mikey's house the next day. And I was terrible at, in the game at Leicester. And Mikey just looked at me and he said, what happened yesterday? And I felt so bad because here was I trying to ex- having to explain to my mentor why it was so poor. So he got me thinking. And then Wazim Akram the next season said to me, after I played against Lancashire Chesterfield, bowled him out on the Balsy pitch, went to Old Trafford, tried to do the same, didn't do it. Wazim said, Bish, you cannot bowl the same length on every pitch. So those subtle messages forced me to start thinking, how can I push my length up? And I found, Simon, that it was just practice. Hmm. Routine, practice, practice, and it automatically became a case then through experience that whenever I was in county cricket or tour of England, I could adjust my length based on that. So I think it's possible. It's funny, though, because people always <coughs> think, don't they? They think, well, why can't a bowler just bowl a bit fuller? I mean, just, just aim a bit fuller. But bowling isn't like that. It's, it's sort of all about feel, and so it, there is a bit of trial and error in a way. There is. Because you've practiced something for a long period of time, so you store some muscle memory. And that's where people talk about my natural length. That's where it comes in. Mm. But it comes in as an excuse that I cannot do anything differently. Mm. So, for example, I remember bowling against Arvind de Silva. I hated bowling against short guys because my normal back of the length did pull. And then I tried to adjust and I'd go too full. So that the, 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 the adjustment needed is... Not significant, mm. and that's where feel comes in. It's like a golf swing, chipping and having the feel is a lot more challenging than people think. But again, it was through routine and through practice experience that you're able to make the adjustment. And I think the argument we always had with Kirtley, and I joke about it with him now in a serious way, he will always say, well, look, I got 400 test match wickets bowling that length. He always says it to me, and I would say to him, do you think if you made the adjustment in length that you would have had 490 instead of 405? And that's the, that we can't answer the question because he didn't do it. Great bowler, but I always wonder if, what if? Yeah, well, he might have got more wickets at a slightly higher average because, of course, he was one of those very rare bowlers who took his test wickets at under 21, which mm-hmm. is... Just insane so in what the modern you, era. But he, so he might have got 500 wickets at 23. Or and which, which one would which you one prefer? prefer? Well, I, I mean, me, if it's me, I'd definitely go for the 500 wickets. But so that's a chicken and egg, isn't it? Yeah. But I suppose, you know, the, the control that he offered was also valuable and may have got wickets for other people. So, you know, who, who's to argue with greatness, really? Um, good, good, good conversation. Anyway, good, good debate. Um, what about the Indian seamers? Three very different bowlers. How do you appraise them? I like Jasprit Bumrah. I think Jasprit is a generational talent because he's unusual. There's not much of a run-up to what he did. Um, and every time we do analysis on him, I'm still trying to research how does he do it. It's the question that remains in my mind. But here's a guy who can play across formats. Not too many guys excel across formats, T20, 50 over test cricket these days. He can swing the ball. I've seen him swing the ball away from left-handers and back into left-handers and conversely right-handers at a decent pace. Uh, But you have to be wary because he's a cross-format player like Trent Bolt, how much you manage his workload. 
And I think he's smart as well. You don't see him getting upset. He's got a great temperament. So I really do believe that he's a great asset and a fine. He can bowl the full length. Hmm. He can pull his length back at a good enough pace. He can use the short ball, and it seems as though he knows when to do it. And the other thing he brings in to all forms is pace off the ball, which not enough bowlers, I think, use in red ball cricket. Um, <clears throat> Just before you go on to another one, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, the, I think one of the things he has mm -hmm. is an extraordinary hyperextension. I think that's where, because how do you generate that pace from that ridiculous non-event of a run-up? Unless you've got something going on in your body. And I, I do wonder also how long it'll last because so much of his speed is generated at the crease mm -hmm. and that put, that, rather than from the runner. And that must put a lot of pressure on his body, I would have thought. I would imagine so because it's all, most of what's happening happens through the load up and delivery. And very little of it comes from the rhythm of a runner, Mark Wood has had to extend his run on advice from Mikey Holding to try to ease the burden, explosiveness at delivery. Um, and it's, it's funny you should say that because I, we were doing that research. That's what our research today, I don't know when this pod is going on. And I saw something in Jaspreet Bumrah that I did not notice before in terms of the hyperextension of the bowling arm, but also the wrist position that he gets into where the wrist flicks back and it's almost parallel with the ball, with the ground, sorry, that, and then it unhinges mm. along with the hyperextension. And I think having seen that, it's a big part of why he can generate what he generates. Mm. Um, Ishan, workhorse, unusual action, uh, collapses on the front leg, wrist falls over, but he's learned to live with it. He's bowled a fuller length in years. You talk about the tall guys. Through county cricket and his experience at Sussex, he's learned to bowl a fuller length for a tall man, and his numbers, by extension, in the last two or three years have been so much better. Because batsmen have to look up and then look down. Shami, I love Shami because I think Shami has that bustling run and that pace, that extra zip, with one of the best seam positions in the world, and he's always seemingly at you more than. Some of us, the ball is always challenging you somewhere, challenging you. If anything, I think he could learn to bowl a little bit fuller as well. Mm. So they're pretty well matched, aren't they? As a, as a group, <clears throat> two groups of quicks? I think so, in theory. In theory, I think so. And, and you can set me on the right path here. Because I think India's seamers have everything that it takes, regardless of whether they're not classified as swing bowlers as Bolton Saudi and Jameson are. But I've always found Simon playing cricket in England the most amenable conditions across the world for guys like us who ply our trade of seam and swing. It gets harder wherever you go. So I've always set the benchmark and said, if you've played enough cricket in England, your average during a series should not be 32 and 33. It should be at least 27. Come back if you're worth your salt because these overhead conditions will so often present itself. And the Duke's ball as well, of course. And the Duke's ball, yeah. which to me is, is the best ball in the game. Hmm. The only time I don't like playing cricket in England is late July and early August when the sun is, is so hot, the pitches, especially down south, 
become dry and the, the lateral movement is not there. Michael Atherton scored nearly 100 against us at the Oval, and that tells you something. I always joke with Michael about that. I hate late July, early <laughs> August. There's nothing, too much sunshine. But either side of that, great place to bowl. So I'm really intrigued as to how India Seamers can finish the conclusion of this final because you know New Zealand will swing it and seam it. So that's Ian Bishop. Those of you who don't remember Ian Bishop uh, playing for the West Indies, and there will be some listening to this podcast who, who don't. You know, He played 43 test matches for the West Indies over quite a long period. He had lots of problems with his back and lots of back injuries, but his record is excellent. 161 wickets at 24, and on his day, he was rapid. And of course, he played in, in county cricket as well. Mm. He wasn't only rapid, he also swung the ball. And that's where what separated him really from the other great West Indian fast bowlers that he played with, the likes of Curtly Ambrose, Courtney Walsh, etc., a bit of Malcolm Marshall. Actually, Malcolm Marshall swung the ball as well, but for a tall bowler of his height, six foot five, and speed, to also swing the ball, when he was in, in his pomp, in sort of a young man when he was about 21, 22, he was unbelievably. Ex- I mean, people thought he would be, he could be the greatest fast bowler that yeah. ever lived because he had the pace. He had ninety miles an hour pace. He had excessive bounce, and he swung the ball away. But as he had a back injury, he lost the swing and a little bit of the pace. So he was never quite as deadly as he promised to be when he was young. But he was still damn good. Yeah, it's a it's a tough job. Uh, bowling fast, isn't it? Even even medium pace is a tough job, uh-huh. yours, isn't Very it? Funny. Yes. <laughs> well, I was often uh, hit back harder than I propelled it, but there we are. I don't know. You you sort of do what you can, don't you? You try your best, and yeah. it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, and that's what these two teams will will do tomorrow, and we'll be back at the end of the day's play, whatever time that is, whatever has happened in this test match to review the final day and, uh, and our impressions of the test match and the, the test championship and the idea of a a test championship final as well. So uh, that's it for now. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Let's hope it's a riveting and dramatic and exciting final day. But we're prepared for everything because we've seen just about everything in the five, six days that we have been here at the Hampshire Bowl. That's it. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.